0: So, Dale, I don't know how much you know about therapy, but it usually starts by you telling me a little something about yourself. I thought there'd be couches and Kleenex and shit. Look at me, son. It's not your fault.
1: Do you want to talk about some of those feelings? I love you. Obviously, you don't know me. So how is this supposed to work? You sit, I sit, we talk.
0: Hi, I'm Dr. Sam. And I'm Dr. Fran. Welcome to Freudian Scripts the podcast where we put your favorite TV shows and movies on the hypothetical couch to take a deeper dive into the way psychology is portrayed.
2: We analyze the way therapy looks in entertainment, discuss the way
0: psychological diagnoses are portrayed, and break down other psychological themes seen on our screens. As a reminder, Reading Scripts is for informational and entertainment purposes only. Please consult your mental health professional with any questions and seek care if needed. As a content warning, we will be discussing suicide and self-harm in today's episode, which may be a difficult topic for some listeners. If you or someone you know is struggling with or at risk for suicide ideation, you can get help by calling the National Suicide Prevention Lifeline, which is available 24 hours a day in English and Spanish at 1-800-273-8255. And as of July 16, 2022, you can also call 988, which will route you to the National Suicide Prevention Lifeline.
2: Thank you, Dr. Fran, for sharing those important resources. Although it is no longer Mental Health Awareness Month, Dr. Fran and I believe that it is always important to discuss mental health topics. So for today's session, we will be discussing adolescent mental health and various diagnoses and themes that are portrayed as we put the film Dear Evan Hansen on the couch.
1: Dear Evan Hansen, turns out this wasn't an amazing day after all. Inside, always looking in Will I ever be? More now we can both pretend we're friends. Would anyone even notice if I just disappeared tomorrow? Uh, dear Evan Hansen? Yeah, that's mine. That's mine. I'll, I can take it sorry Look I really need that back Connor's mother and stepfather are here to see you. Connor wanted you to have this Dear Evan Hansen His last words I'm sorry Connor didn't write this. you want to know no, please? Really going to tell these people the only thing they have left of their son is a letter that you wrote to yourself? Were you ever actually friends with him? I never thought that it would go this far. Yeah. You knew just how broken I am. I already know you, and I love you.
2: Dear Evan Hansen is a 2021 musical film based on the 2015 stage musical by Steven Levinson, Benj Pasek, and Justin Paul. Ben Platt plays Evan Hansen, who is an anxious and isolated high school student. Evan embarks on a journey of self-discovery after a classmate, Connor Murphy, takes his own life, and Evan is initially mistaken to be a friend of Connor's. Evan soon finds acceptance and friendship from Connor's family, including Connor's sister Zoe, as well as peers and classmates at school after pretending to have been Connor's friend.
0: I think this is a really good movie to put on the couch and is our, actually our first musical number, musical film, I think, that we have covered that I can think of. True, yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, But just has a ton of really important topics related to adolescent mental health. Um, This, As you all know, Dr. Sam and I have mentioned multiple times, this is an area um, of specialty for Dr. Sam and I, adolescent, young adulthood, um, and a lot of the topics that can come up around mental health during this really important developmental period.
2: Yes, and I am more of a fan I think of musical theater and musical films than Dr. Fran even though interestingly I don't think I was always such a big musical fan until I saw Hamilton and then that really like you know flipped a switch for me and I um, was really really I really loved the music from Dear Evan Hansen before I ever even saw the play or the movie a big fan of Ben Platt's voice and then finally got to see the play and now having seen the movie so I think this will be a great movie to put on the couch. There's a lot of really important themes. I think there's a
0: lot of things that will be great to dissect in terms of the way it's portrayed as well. Yeah, so Dr. Sand did a really nice job of giving a summary of the overall film. Um, so we figured we'd start just a bit by talking about Evan, the main character, and a bit about what's going on with him and why it's in, why he kind of leads us to talk about some of the themes that we'll talk about today. So we learned that Evan's a senior in high school. And from the opening scene, um, we learned that he's feeling pretty isolated. He feels very unseen. Um, he's writing this letter to himself and um, is trying to kind of pump himself up for the first day of school.
2: And we later learn that part of the reason why he's writing this letter to himself is he has been instructed, I believe, by his psychiatrist to kind of write himself these letters to help decrease his anxiety, kind of help, like Dr. Friend mentioned, to pump him up or kind of increase more positive mood.
0: This is what you're supposed to be working on, sweetheart, with Dr. Sherman. Have you been doing those letters he wants you to do? Dear Evan Hansen.
1: I mean, I've definitely... I've been trying to...
0: Those letters are important, honey. You have to keep working. You can't go back to where you were last year, right?
2: But really, as we heard, Evan feels like no one really notices him, that people don't care about what he has to say, and that really, like, nothing would change for anyone if he were to just disappear.
1: I wish everything was different. I wish I was different. I wish I was part of something. I wish that anything I said mattered to anyone. But it doesn't. And it never did. And it never will. I mean, face it, would anyone even notice if I just disappeared tomorrow?
2: So there are a lot of themes of Evan feeling very lonely, very isolated, not having friends. We also see throughout the movie just a longing for friendship, um, in particular... Uh, related to Connor Murphy's sister, Zoe. From the very beginning, we kind of see that he maybe has a crush on her. He talks about wanting to introduce himself and talk to her, but really just feeling too anxious to do so. Um... And unfortunately, his loneliness kind of extends beyond school. Um, he has a mother who is a single parent, um, who's a nurse, who works long hours. And it seems like throughout the film, and we'll talk more about this, but Evan also feels really lonely and is as if he's alone at home, too.
0: Yeah, and his father, he discloses later, left when he was around seven. Um, and we see a scene later where Evan sends him a text, and we see that he sent all these texts to his dad with no replies. So he mm-hmm. has what seems like somewhat of an absent father and then a very busy mother who's like doing her best and also just because of uh, her work schedule is not home very often so he's very isolated and lonely at home and then is really struggling to make friends and connections in the school environment as well and
2: i think one of the saddest parts is there is a peer who's like a family friend um he makes very clear every time evan tries to describe them as friends
1: we're family friends evan that's an entirely different thing please respect that
2: But you know, I think that's the one kind of other connection initially that we see Evan has is Mm -hmm. with this family friend who actually is the same actor from uh, Atypical that plays (laughs) Zahid. Zahid that plays Zahid in Atypical, which is really fun crossover there. (laughs) Um, But we see that you know even that character really isn't very kind to Evan. Kind of makes fun of Evan or criticizes him a lot, uh, and that's really the only relationship we see him have at least in the beginning of the movie.
0: Yeah. And even from the first letter, like voiceover that we get at the very beginning of the movie, we learn that Evan has depression and anxiety. Um, and, you know, we also get clips of him feeling really anxious around peers and, um, like feeling very uncomfortable and feeling kind of awkward and not really knowing what to say. Um, so we can see that, like, the social connections are very important to him and that he seems to struggle with being confident in those situations and, you know, being his true, being himself and, um, interacting in a a, like comfortable manner. I think something that really highlights that
2: is when he's talking to this family friend character he talks about wanting to have met Zoe but he says that he had an opportunity at one point to meet Zoe but then he started worrying about his hands sweating and then he started worrying about worrying about his hands sweating and then that made his hands sweaty and so we really see his kind of train of thought about all of the other things that are popping into his mind related to interacting with peers and just how anxious that makes him, and then he eventually just avoids, kind of runs away, doesn't really interact. We see in the beginning of the film, he kind of sits alone at the lunch tables, he kind of keeps to himself, and then interestingly, one of the peers he does have early interactions with, albeit not very positive interactions, is Connor Murphy. Um, So kind of in the main context of the film and the story, uh, Connor signs evans cast and then connor finds the letter that we've been talking about that evan has written to himself and connor unfortunately thinks that evan kind of planted this as like a cruel joke on connor he takes the letter and runs away
1: you wanted me to find this what you saw i was here so you started writing this and you started talking to me oh, no no you started so that i would read me. some creepy shit about my sister and freak out right why would i do so that? Then you can tell everyone that i'm crazy right right
2: before we kind of get into the overarching story i think we can kind of talk a little bit about connor's history as well
0: yeah connor is really portrayed in this um like a sad light i think um that he's kind mm-hmm. keeps to himself he also comes off like he doesn't really have a lot of friends i think he even makes a joke to yeah. evan that like we can both pretend like we have one friend um yes. and he clearly you can tell like I guess the impression I got was that he probably has a history of like being bullied and being like rejected or ostracized because he's very quick to assume that that's how other people are treating him. And he makes comments about like, you know, Evan's trying to set me up. You're trying to set me up to make me feel like I'm crazy. Um, And unfortunately, he's called like pretty negative names by like other people at school. So clearly someone who has struggled for a long time.
2: Yes, and we see this, like, over and over early on with Connor, like Dr. Fran mentioned. Like, I think um, Evan's family friend calls him, quote-unquote, batshit, so very negative and harsh term. He also tells a story about, you know, like, you can't talk to him or you can't trust him because, you know, even when we were younger, he threw a printer at a teacher, and so there's kind of, like, this lore of, like, potential negative things that Connor has been involved in. Um, We later even hear Zoe, uh, Connor's sister, talking about really... um, experiences that she thought were very negative about Connor screaming at her and threatening her and things of that nature so it seems like Connor's character we're getting a sense he was struggling with some difficulties um, and definitely felt also lonely and didn't have a lot of peer interaction and even seemingly as we as the movie kind of goes on we kind of learn he wasn't necessarily feeling very connected or close to his family and felt very misunderstood by them as well
0: Yeah. And even some like connections there between like how Evan's feeling in this moment and how Connor has been feeling and maybe they're presenting that differently for Evan. It seems to be very internalized and he's experiencing it as like anxiety and like to the point where sometimes he runs to the bathroom and almost throws up because he's feeling so panicked Mm -hmm. and having those physiological symptoms. Whereas for Connor, some of this like isolation and rejection might be coming out more as like lashing out or being angry um, with people in his life. And we do also learn that Connor has been in and out of different um, like residential or like treatment programs programs. And it's clearly been something that he's been struggling with for a long time.
2: I think that that's a great point. And then unfortunately, early on in the movie, kind of what sets a lot of the, I guess, actions or things that occur in the movie into play is that Connor does die by suicide. And the family finds Evan's letter that we mentioned earlier on Connor. And they take this to really be a letter that Connor has written to Evan. They kind of read into the letter that Evan and Connor were friends. And that's why he's written this letter to kind of explain how he was feeling. So Connor's family approaches Evan. Um, and Evan initially, you know, being very anxious in social social situations like we've talked about, he kind of does try, I will say, initially to interject and to try to explain But he quickly sees how important it kind of is to the family to feel like Connor did have this friend and someone who, you know, connected. I think he also does start to feel like, oh, this is giving me connection to other people as well. And unfortunately, he starts to really play into and play up the fact that him and Connor Murphy were friends when, in fact, they... You know, really the extent of their interaction was maybe that cast signing.
0: Yeah, and it is one of those like web of lies that just keeps getting bigger and bigger. And it starts as this small, like, okay, I'll just give the family something to hold on to. And, you know, like, it'd be great if, you know, they had these positive memories that Connor had a friend and, had someone he was close to, and then it just keeps getting bigger and bigger. Um And Evan gets like very wrapped up and kind of trapped in all of this, this web of lies that he has created. Um And that he keeps getting sucked into because he does end up developing very close relationships with, Connor's parents who are very warm and welcoming and loving and um, compassionate towards him, which he doesn't always have the opportunity to get at home. Um, And Zoe, who he has a crush on, but she also is very kind and nice to him and one of the only peers that he ends up having some kind of connection with
2: true and I think we see a lot of complex dynamics play out that we won't go into all of them but for example Connor's parents I think that they have a lot of grief as well as regret about their relationship with Connor and so we kind of see these dynamics play out where maybe they're starting to see Evan as like another son Mm -hmm. or kind of filling that role of a son and they're trying you know to be like very supportive and there for him Um, and then we see Zoe she kind of grieves in a different way for her she's actually like I don't want to talk about my brother all the time it can't all be about him I want someone you know uh, I want you Evan to be this person that we can maybe talk about other things and then they actually go on to establish a relationship and are dating for a little while until spoiler alert things really unravel at the end as you know Evan finally admits to all of the like kind of web of lies that Dr. Fran mentioned he's kind of gotten tangled up in.
0: And and one thing that happens with this web of lies that Evans developed is that he ends up as at school becoming known as someone that was Connor's best friend. So people are having a lot of sympathy for him because they feel bad that he's lost his best friend. Um, and he ends up becoming friends with one of the seemingly like more popular girls in the school, Alana. Um, and she's like president of all these clubs. And she approaches him about starting the Connor project where um, they would get a group of students together to raise money and um, raise, aware- raise awareness for mental health so that she says people like us um, aren't overlooked. And that's a really like interesting kind of touching scene that we can maybe take a quick listen to pieces of that, um, where Alana kind of admits to having her own mental health struggles and um, Evan has some interesting reactions to that.
1: The Connor Project.
2: So it's a student group dedicated to mental health awareness, outreach, and education.
1: Uh, great. This is, it's great.
2: You know the Murphys, right? Mm -hmm. I was wondering if you would reach out to them and get their blessing.
1: Oh, well, I don't, I, I don't, I don't. You want to help the Murphys and all the other people who might need it, like people like Connor or people like us, people like us. Yes. Right. Because we have so much in common. (laughs) What? Well, you're like the president of a million different groups. That's cool. And you're like part of every single activity and you're. You know and i'm um i am not
0: what do you take yeah. i'll go
1: first i'm on Lexpro, 10 milligrams oh well I, i'm on zoloft uh and wellbutrin and um ativan as needed depression anxiety yeah yeah me too some days it's just like um, it's like um impossible, yeah, yeah you know you don't really act like a depressed sort of person. I'm just good at staying anonymous, same as you. there are a lot of people who feel like us people that you wouldn't think.
2: What I like about this scene is just as you mentioned and as we heard Alana state, she kind of says and she kind of lumps her and Evan together, right? Like people like us, what we're going through, what we experience. And Evan at first is taken aback by that because he can't think of any ways that him and Alana are similar because Mm -hmm. she does seem more outgoing. She's involved in everything. She has a lot of friends. Um, And he even kind of makes the comment that's like, you know, you don't act like a depressed person. So kind of seemingly almost like his quick judgment about her just because she is active, just because she is out there that she can't also possibly be sad or having like depressed mood. Um, So I thought that that was really interesting and also very uh, poignant. You know, Um, mental health is invisible in a lot of ways. Not always, right? Like Dr. Fran mentioned for Connor, maybe he was showing his sad feelings or angry feelings in a more outwardly manner. But a lot of times we can't see or tell unless people share with us really that they might be having a hard time or that they might be feeling depressed or anxious.
0: And even with Connor, people might assume like, oh, he has has behavior problems or he's just like an aggressive kid when really underneath he might be dealing with depression or anxiety or self-doubt and all these like internal things but it's coming out in this different way so that can absolutely present in different ways and like dr sam alluded to kind of like the invisibility of mental health i think is a super important theme and that like evan is learning but also is teaching the viewers right that just because someone isn't Mm -hmm. acting depressed or isn't obviously anxious doesn't mean they're not dealing with those things and actually that these things are really common in adolescents.
2: very true also, interestingly, in this little talk, we hear Alana and Evan kind of share about the medications they're taking. So that's kind of how Alana actually bridges this conversation. Like, oh, well, I'm taking Lexapro, 10 milligrams. And then, you know, Evan goes on to share that he's taking Zoloft, Wellbutrin, and then Ativan is needed. And then she kind of asks, depression, anxieties, we just heard. And he just says, yeah. So kind of like, you know, opening up that conversation, expressing that he has both depression and anxiety. And then they have that nice moment to kind of connect over it. They have a lot of differences. They're obviously not the same people. We all are different. We all have different experiences, and we can have some shared and overlapping experiences, as Alana and Evan discovered.
0: And I think that leads to kind of a nice segue into talking just like broadly about adolescent mental health, because, again, we see in the film that it's pretty common among the characters. And I think that's a pretty accurate representation of like what we might see in the real world. So globally, not just in the United States, it's estimated that about 14 percent or one in seven um, individuals aged 10 to 19 experience some mental health conditions. Um, among those, anxiety disorders are the most prevalent or the most common, um, and particularly among older adolescents, like the age range that we see in the movie, um, with about 4.6% of 15 to 19-year-olds experiencing an, an anxiety disorder. And then depression is also pretty common among this age group, with about 2.8% of 15 to 9-year-olds experiencing depression.
2: Relatedly and unfortunately, we also know that suicide is about the third or fourth, you know, kind of depending on when you look at the statistics, leading cause of death in this population as well. So these older adolescents that are 15 to 19 years old um, and kind of contributing to that, we know that more than one in three high school students has endorsed experiencing persistent feelings of sadness or hopelessness in 2019, which is a 40 percent increase in Um, since 2009. So over that 10-year period, we saw 40% more of high school students saying they were feeling persistently sad or hopeless, both of which can also be contributing factors to having suicidal thoughts or engaging in suicidal actions. We'll chat a little bit more as we kind of discuss both Connor and Evan and just kind of adolescent mental health about the anxiety that we see in the characters, the depression, along with suicidal thoughts, and then, of course, wanting to discuss I think even more importantly, treatments and things that will be beneficial and helpful.
0: Yeah. And, and something that's important to note about um, individuals or youth who struggle with poor mental health can also struggle with school and grades, other health-related mm-hmm. things. Um, we also see that mental health difficulties in adolescents can be correlated with like behavioral risks like drug use or um, experiences of violence or higher-risk behaviors. Um and like Dr. Sam was mentioning, on the flip side of like all the risk and, and the concerns that we have, there's also treatments that are amazing that are out there that we can talk a bit about. But we also know is that building strong bonds and relationships with adults and people in the home and the school environment, um, that increasing that sense of connectedness can really be a huge protective factor against a lot of the mental health concerns that we just mentioned.
2: Exactly. So we'll continue, like we talked about, to talk about some of the risks or just some of the things that we can see in adolescents with depression and anxiety, and then, of course, highlighting some protective factors and treatments. I think one of the things that first jumps out, at least for me, um, when I watched Dear Evan Hansen... Was the anxiety that Evan experiences, and in particular, his social anxiety? So throughout the movie, you know, I think we see that Evan appears pretty anxious, right? He talks about sweaty hands. I think Dr. Fran mentioned he we see him on several occasions run and like vomit into a toilet when he's in a stressful situation. Um, when he writes that letter to himself, he's like, don't appear anxious, don't be anxious, like trying to just talk himself out of feeling anxious, you know, which may or may not be helpful. Um, but I would also say that he specifically seems anxious in social situations. And this comes up again and again in the movie will definitely highlight some of these particular scenarios. But I think that this is a really um, this gives us a really great chance to highlight something called social anxiety disorder, which people may or may not have heard of. I don't think we've talked about it much on the podcast. I think we might have briefly touched upon it when we were talking about the Grinch, uh, because we talked about the Grinch potentially having some social anxiety when he goes and interacts with the Who's. Very different scenario here, obviously. Um, so I thought it might be great to give a brief refresher on what the DSM-5 criteria for social anxiety is, so kind of what we would expect to see in someone who might have social anxiety disorder, and then specifically how we see uh, Evan presenting with social anxiety.
0: Yeah, and and some people may have heard the older term for this is um, social phobia. So same thing, but um, officially we term this social anxiety disorder. So what we're looking for with social anxiety disorder is a persistent or intense fear or anxiety about social situations um, due to feeling that someone is being negatively judged or could be embarrassed or humiliated. And typically there's an avoidance of these social situations or someone endures them but feeling extremely fearful or anxious during it.
2: Yes. I will say for Evan with the first thing, so the persistent and intense fear about certain social w- situations, some of the things that really like sh- stand out to me from the movie are initially when we see Connor, um, there's a scene where Connor yells at... Evan in front of the lockers. And Zoe comes up to apologize for her brother. And she's talking to Evan and she says, Oh, hey, like you're Evan, aren't you? I'm Zoe. She puts out her hand to shake it. And we see Evan experience a lot of anxiety. He starts to like fumble over his words. He doesn't know what to say to her. He doesn't, he goes to give her the hand. And then you can tell he's starting to think about that sweat thing again. And then he like dries his hand and then he just completely. Abandons the whole situation and runs, runs away. away. Yeah. And so I think we can see he starts to sweat, he starts to tremble, and then he avoids the situation altogether, even though we know that this is something that he has desired. Like he's hoped to, he wants to meet Zoe, he wants to make a friend, but the anxiety is so overpowering that he just leaves the situation.
0: Yeah, I think that's a, such a perfect example. And we even see like other peer interactions seem to be difficult for him in a similar way. Maybe, like, less intense. He's also has a lot of physiological um, symptoms going on, like, immediately after Connor has yelled at him um, and that he's already on edge in that fight or flight, and then he's confronted with this, like, anxiety-provoking social interaction. But you can see that this happens with a lot of other peer relationships. Um, And it's not uncommon for these to be specific to certain situations or even specific people, or we might notice that there's kind of a hierarchy or a gradient. um, And for Evan, it seems like peer interactions are more challenging for him, though we do see that he also fumbles over his words and um, becomes more anxious even in interactions with like Connor's parents, for example, which partially yes. leads to some of the miscommunication
2: Yeah, I think it's a lot for him like new or what we might call novel social situations. So when he's meeting new people and you can kind of see and he kind of expresses that it is this fear of judgment. Like, what are they going to think about me? What are you know, how are they perceiving me? Um, I think there's another good example when he has been asked to give a speech at uh, Connor's memorial at the school initially he just says no he avoids it right well i mean he maybe should have avoided it because it wasn't um uh, truthful but if he was connor's friend and he wanted to speak about him the anxiety is just like overpowering so he says no then connor's mother asks him to do it and so he goes to do the speech and we see again a lot of physical symptoms associated with his anxiety so his hands are trembling he's like trying to read the cards he's kind of getting like mixed up in his words and then he eventually drops the cards
1: sorry that's the one.
2: And I think it's kind of his, almost his worst fear is he starts to see people pulling out the cell phone. They're kind of laughing at him. And that perception of them judging him is like something he's actually experiencing in the moment, right? Um, We see that he's able to actually... Manage the anxiety in that moment and he kind of gets up and then very eloquently through song because this is a musical uh expresses like how he feels about connor and you know connor feeling like he wasn't connected and that there weren't other people that cared about him and how you know there are people that care about all of us and that things you know to kind of persist through those feelings of loneliness
1: even when the dark comes crashing through when you need a friend to carry you And when you're broken on the ground You will be found So let the sun come streaming in Cause you'll reach up and you'll rise again Lift your head and look around You will be found You will be found
2: He sings all about that, and then people are very... I think, touched by his words about Connor, and so he's able to bounce back from that situation, but I think initially we see a lot of that anxiety. We almost see him avoid again.
0: Yeah, it would have been very easy for him to just, like, run off stage, right? Um, and actually part of what helps him not is that Connor's mom is there and Zoe's True. there, and they kind of give him re- like reassuring nods and looks, and that helps him give get the confidence to, um, you know, make the beautiful statement that Dr. Sam alluded to. Um, and kind of related to that, we do know that many people with social anxiety as we've already mentioned can experience these like strong physical symptoms so this could be like rapid heart rate nausea sweating um, and sometimes people do have uh, panic attacks which if you're wanting to know more about panic attacks we cover that in depth in our woman in the window episode um, in these like fearful situations so we absolutely see like dr sam alluded to before um, evan experiences some of these in these social situations like running to the bathroom and throwing up throwing up on several occasions in the movie
2: yeah, and definitely we see the shaking and the sweating and all of that. Yeah. Um, also, interestingly, we talked about how off, uh, how common anxiety can be in adolescence. Well, social anxiety disorder is the second most commonly diagnosed anxiety disorder following specific phobias, um, and that the average age of onset for social anxiety disorder is often during the teenage years. And I think this makes a lot of sense when we think about what's happening during the adolescent period. Mm -hmm. This is a time where peer relationships are very important. People are kind of, you know, forming various aspects of their identity and especially doing that in a way as it relates to their peers. And so, you know, that kind of perception and anxiety related to social judgment, I could see why this is like, you know, a prime time potentially for
0: that to start. Yeah, absolutely. And kind of relatedly, people with social anxiety tend to have a heightened sensitivity to negative evaluation and to negatively Mm -hmm. interpret what is otherwise like an ambiguous social situation. And again, like you can think about adolescence and how there are so many opportunities for someone to either like truly be um, experiencing like negative evaluations by others and to be interpreting other um, ambiguous situations as negative. So we can absolutely see how like in adolescence there, it's like ripe for um, the development of social anxiety type symptoms.
2: Yes. And I think, you know, this is actually kind of highlighted perfectly in a, a brief conversation that Evan has with his mother. Let's listen to that really quickly.
1: I know that that's very hard for you to believe, that they don't think I'm, you know, that there's something wrong with me, that I need to be, like, fixed like you do.
0: When have I ever said that?
1: Oh, my God. Well, I have to go to therapy, right? I have to take drugs. There's, I have there's to...
0: nothing wrong with that. There, there's nothing wrong with needing just help, stop. honey.
1: I know that there is, and I know that I'm a burden. I'm the worst thing that ever happened to you, and I just, I just ruined your life, okay? No, you are
0: the best thing. You're the best thing that's ever happened to me. Sorry, I can't give you anything more than that.
2: I think that really nicely highlights what Dr. Fran was mentioning, where they may more negatively evaluate the social interactions that they do have. And so here we hear that Evan is kind of speculating that his that he's the worst thing to ever happen to his mom so he's kind of taking in these cues of maybe mom like working a lot or mom you know not providing the support in the way that he would need or want and he is interpreting that as mom doesn't love me mom doesn't care about me um so i think that that kind of highlights how that could happen and how we see evan interpreting the social interactions that he does have
0: in a more negative way (laughs) I think that's a really good transition into the topic of suicide and suicide ideation. Um, And we'll talk a bit about why, because this clip obviously brings up some of those components in this conversation between Evan and his mom um, kind of centers or ends up on this topic. Um, But obviously a major theme in Dear Evan Hansen involves thoughts of suicide and Connor Murphy does die by suicide. Um, So let's listen a bit more to the a little bit longer of this clip that we just listened to where Evan talks about uh, what happened when he fell from the tree. Dear Evan Hansen, you wrote this Connor's
1: note? I didn't know. No one did. No, honey, that's. That's not what I meant. I didn't know that you were. that you were hurting like that, that you felt. I didn't know. I lied. I lied about so many things. <laughs> not just Connor. Um. So last summer. I felt so alone.
0: You can tell me.
1: The tree didn't fall. Or let go. Do you hate me now? You should. You should. If you knew who I am, just how just broken I am. I already know you. And I love you.
2: So in this clip we learn that Evan himself, you know, he's told actually various versions of the story throughout the movie. So initially the story is that when he had like a summer internship at the in a forestry capacity, um he fell from a tree during that. Um and then his like supervisor took him surgeon to care. Later on, we hear that it was actually, he was at the orchard with Connor Murphy, and they were climbing to see as far as they could see, and he falls from the tree, and Connor, you know, is there to rescue him. And then finally, in this clip that we just listened to, he expresses to his mom that when he was climbing from the tree, he intentionally, you know, let go. He intentionally let go because he just um,
0: was feeling broken and lonely. And I think this is a really touching and important clip, too, because he talks about how worried he is that his mom is going to hate him uh, because of what he has shared. And, of course, you know, she doesn't feel like that at all and that she loves him and she didn't realize that he was hurting like that. And um, it ends up being a really important moment in their relationship. But I think this is also an important piece. We don't learn as much about what was going on with Connor and what led up to him dying by suicide, but we do see more about mm-hmm. Evan and what going on with him and what may have been contributing to what may have been a suicide attempt um, for him when he broke his arm. Um, and we do know that adolescence is a period of increased risk for the, having suicidal thoughts and behaviors and i think just
2: like you mentioned dr fran i feel like this is a very like impactful uh scene because mom express or you know evan's mom expressed that she didn't know what he was going through and i think that's a common theme that we see throughout the movie right is like misunderstanding Mm -hmm. um a lot of kind of like we touched upon earlier that invisibility of like mental health and what people are really experiencing thinking and feeling and how we don't know that and also like I think it's really important and something that I hope a lot of adolescents have is like someone that they do feel safe enough to share when they are feeling lonely when they are feeling like nobody cares when they're feeling like hopeless or lost, that there is someone that they can talk to and, and, you know, hopefully have that person express a lot of, like, compassion and caring like we hear Evan's mother do.
0: Yeah, and that that support person is super important, especially given what we know about risk factors for suicide ideation and suicide behavior. Um, So one of the most popular theories of suicide is Joyner's interpersonal theory of suicide, and that theory posits that two specific factors are associated with increased risk for suicide. Thwarted belongingness and perceived burdensomeness. Um, they sound like big fancy words, but they're pretty straightforward. Yes. Um, thwarted belongingness, really, being those feelings of isolation and loneliness and feeling like one doesn't have those supportive relationships. So, I think we absolutely see that with Evan um, that he's like feeling very isolated, feeling very lonely, doesn't feel like he has those relationships, even from his family members. Um, And then on the flip, we've also got perceived burdensomeness. Um, So this is the belief that one is becoming a burden to friends or family. And unfortunately, we do hear him express that to mom in this clip that Mm -hmm. he feels like he's been a burden on her. And um, she really actually I think that's a different clip.
2: You are right about that, though, Dr. Fran. The clip we listened to just before where he
0: says, like, you I'm the worst thing that ever happened to you. He does say he feels like a burden as well. Yeah. And so we definitely see that. Evan is experiencing and expressing some of these pretty common risk factors. You can understand that if someone is feeling like they don't belong, they don't have a support system, and also like they're burdening others, that can lead to feelings of like, maybe it would be better if I wasn't here, or people wouldn't be upset, or actually would be better off if I was dead.
2: And we hear Evan express this, and I think when he's having this conversation with mom that we just listened to, that conversation actually takes place after Evan has Um, you know, finally told the Murphys the truth. He has told the Murphys that he was never friends with Connor, um, that he, you know, he explains to them that the letter is a letter that he actually wrote to himself, and then they kind of ask him to leave. And so I think that this is another low point for Evan. He's kind of been on this, like, emotional roller coaster, right? Before we meet him, he had intentionally, like, let himself fall from the tree. Um, And then the Murphys are really a big source of support. Like he talks about how they care about him, they see him, they're trying to help him. You know, we hear him accuse mom of not doing those things. Um and then when he loses that support, I think it's kind of like brings up all of that like thwarted belongingness, right? So those feelings of isolation coming back, believing that he's like a burden. I think this is another incident where he's experiencing all those feelings and then luckily in this situation as opposed to initially when he did you know let go and and fall from the tree he does express to mom right Mm -hmm. how he's feeling and how he has felt this way before and what he was going through interestingly too you know as we mentioned that thwarted belongingness so those feelings of isolation and loneliness and feeling like Um, someone does not have mutually supportive relationships, there is some evidence that in adolescence, this is associated or connected with social anxiety symptoms. So we can kind of see like, you know, kind of I think in both directions, if someone is very anxious and kind of afraid to reach out or establish those social connections um, that this might lead to someone or be related to someone feeling really isolated or lonely or on the flip side if they've been feeling isolated and lonely kind of starting to feel like people are perceiving them in a negative way making it more difficult to interact socially so I think we can kind of anecdotally and even what we see in Evan kind of understand how those feelings of isolation can be hard to tease apart from that social anxiety that we also see with
0: Evan and as we've alluded to already the um, these can conditions- be really important protective factors or can kind of help buffer against feelings of ideation um, or depression and social anxiety when, a, when an adolescent is perceiving that they have social support from peers and close friends or perceive that their friends are caring um, and feel connected. So if we're able to kind of bolster those and we do see at different points, Evan seems to be happier and he seems to maybe be, yeah. you know, communicating more effectively and becoming less anxious in his interactions with like Zoe or Connor's parents or even like other people at school when he's feeling more socially connected and that people care about him. And then we see when he feels like he's lost that support, it gets a little bit more challenging again. But by the end of the film, he's able to kind of be at this middle ground where like, he recognizes that he made mistakes and that he per- hurt people that he mm-hmm. cares about and that there are people in his life that still really care about him and that he is connected to.
2: Exactly. I think at the end of the film, we see that he tries to make more amends with Zoe, right? They meet at the Orchard, which makes them all feel like more connected to Connor. We also see in the movie that he undertakes a project to actually kind of get to know Connor. Mm-hmm. So he mentions that he regrets not knowing Connor before Connor's death. Um, and, you know, and then obviously he went through the period where he pretended to know Connor. And so he actually, like just for himself, like not for the Murphys or anyone else, he starts to kind of take on this approach of like wanting to learn more about Connor, who Connor was, what what interest Connor has. He's reading like all the books that Connor wrote. He, er connor wrote he's reading all the books that connor like said were his favorite books he's reaching out to people that actually did know connor to get to know him better um and we kind of see like he starts to develop this like kind of feeling of connectedness with connor and getting to know him kind of after his death but also doing it in a way similar to we saw throughout the movie with the connor project is so that people you know don't get to that point where they feel so alone and um you know where they are feeling isolated and lonely and potentially harm themselves or have thoughts about um, wanting to not be alive anymore. And that seems to also have a positive impact on Evan, too.
0: Absolutely. And those would absolutely be big things that we would focus on in treatment or in therapy with someone who's dealing with some of the issues that Connor and Evan are being portrayed to have issues with. Um, And also, like, it all started with this letter that Evan's psychiatrist assigned him to write to himself. And that's kind of how he got sucked into this this whole mess. Um, So I thought it'd be a a good transition to talk a bit about the treatment that we don't really see portrayed in the movie, but what treatment would look like for someone like Connor or Evan.
2: I will say really quickly, related to that, at one point when Evan starts dating Zoe and he's like... I don't know, I think it's like the prom, they go to, right, they're like going to prom and they're, or maybe homecoming, some dance, and they're having a good time. Mom even mentions like, hey, Evan, like you haven't been going to your psychiatry appointments, like you missed one of your appointments. And I think that that is not atypical to see in yeah. treatment, right? When he was feeling more anxious, more down, he's going, seeing his doctor. But when he's kind of feeling good, feeling better, he's having those protective factors, he's connecting with the Murphys, he's connecting with Zoe, he's connecting with Zoe's friends, he's like, you know, connecting with Alana, he's feeling better about himself and maybe like, like, well, you know, I don't really need to go see my psychiatrist at this time. And I think that is something we can see with a lot of people, right? When 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 you're feeling more in need, when you're feeling like you're having a more difficult time, engaging in treatment, and when, you'll, when you're feeling better, not engaging in treatment. One of the things I will say would have been helpful for Evan because we see once he loses the Murphy support, he kind of goes to another low point where he's feeling very anxious and very depressed. And that could be related to, you know, if you are feeling better, having, you know, more positive Experiences, thoughts or feelings and therapy or visiting with your psychiatrist is no longer warranted, you would prepare for that and you would come up with a plan for like, if Mm -hmm. your anxiety and depressive symptoms come back, we didn't see that with Evan, right? He just kind of stops going. And so then we see that he kind of has a difficult time again.
0: Yeah. I think it's really a big missed opportunity that therapy is not portrayed at all in this movie. And I know that it was a play first. And so they're having to, you know, adapt it based on what was in the original play, but with just the amount of themes that are, so prevalent in this movie about like mental health it's a shame that there isn't more attention paid to that um maybe we would have Mm. still picked it apart and said it was not um appropriate or accurate (laughs) therapy but just a huge missed opportunity to show him going to therapy and finding it helpful right um because therapy could be extremely helpful in addition to the things that we've talked about like making connections social support like having that connectedness actually therapy can be a way that we work on increasing those things it would have been nice to see that portrayed here
2: I agree. And even just mention, like, even if they didn't show therapy, like, him and Alana talk about how they both see a psychiatrist and they're both taking medications, which, you know, medications, as we know, can be helpful for treating depression and anxiety. However, that would have been the perfect opportunity to be like, oh, and I see a therapist. Like, what about you, right? And we do know that when, you know, especially for adolescents with depression or anxiety, medication in combination with therapy can be even more effective and more helpful. So I think... Definitely a missed opportunity to at least kind of put a plug for, like, hey, if you're experiencing these things, therapy can be helpful.
0: <laughs> yeah, I guess I do appreciate that there is different than most films and TV shows, like that uh, normalization of like taking medication, right? Because that is pretty yes, common yes, and good. super normal and, and understandable. And if only they had also talked about therapy, then we would have given them a, a gold star. <laughs>
2: yeah, it kind of reminds me of Silver Lining's playbook. Remember when yeah. the two main characters, they also kind of first. Bridge that gap by talking about the medications that they've been on, which I agree. It's good to destigmatize and normalize taking um, medications as well. And, you know, I think that both Evan and maybe Alana, you know, based on their discussion or conversation or Connor or other people, they talk about Connor having been in different treatments, but, you know, I think it would have been a good opportunity to maybe uh, discuss that in addition to the medications. So, when Dr. Fran and I think about what kind of therapy or what kind of treatment we would have liked for Evan or Connor or any of the other characters in the movie, we do know that cognitive behavioral therapy is one of the gold standards of treatment, one of the most effective treatments for both anxiety and depression. Um, you may have heard us talk about cognitive behavioral therapy, or CBT for short, in the past, but we wanted to kind of recap, especially as it pertains to what we saw in Dear Evan Hansen, uh, what CBT is, what it entails, what you
0: might expect. Yeah. And and so CBT we think of as being based on a few core principles related to having unhelpful ways of thinking or unhelpful patterns of behavior that can contribute to psychological difficulties. Um and what the treatment really works on doing is trying to change or alter those thinking patterns. So using strategies like identifying when we're having um, what we call like cognitive distortions, or those thinking patterns that maybe are inaccurate or um, are not a appropriate representation of what's really going on in a situation, trying to gain a better understanding of like the behavior that's going on, um, and trying to reevaluate those distortions of those thoughts in a more realistic light.
2: And this kind of sounds complicated. But you know, the way I like to describe it, even when I'm working with teens or kids, for example, you know, is CBT, it really is related to the thoughts, that feelings and then the actions that we have or experience or engage in right and so if we think about Evan for example he is really anxious in social situations so let's think about when he was meeting Zoe he's feeling very anxious his actions are um running away maybe like dry his yeah dry his palms run away right hide um the kind of thoughts he's having is like oh no Zoe might think I'm not good enough or Zoe might not like something about me um, So we don't know exactly what Zoe thinks about um Evan and maybe he hasn't had experiences where peers have been unkind. So that doesn't mean his thought is necessarily like unrealistic or it might not be true, but more thinking about like how likely is this thought to be true? Is there really like evidence that this thought is true? You know, kind of getting him to a place of thinking about it in a less anxiety provoking way, a less negative way to get him to try out the social experience and then hopefully learn from like establishing more positive experiences with peers that okay it might be uncomfortable it might be a little bit scary and I can tolerate it and I can do it and then it becomes less scary every time right so that's kind of a mixture of altering those thoughts that he's having as well as like we've talked about before exposures or little practices in those social situations that might be helpful.
0: Yeah and I think that's a really good example of how that could look or like what it would be like if if Dr. Sam was Evan's therapist Um, (laughs) and another key piece of this would likely be because with social anxiety there's a huge behavioral component of like um, you know avoiding those situations it would likely also be encouraging someone to face those fears and basically test out Mm -hmm. these new beliefs right like okay let me when I try to think about it in this more realistic light of like, okay, well, maybe even if she doesn't like me, she's not going to like yell at me mm-hmm. or it's not going to be the end of the world, right? Yeah. That I can put myself in these situations and maybe actually they turn out better than I expect them to. Um, mm-hmm. So it can really be like Dr. Sam mentioned those that we call it like the cognitive triangle um, the or the CBT <laughs> triangle. We've got like the thoughts, the feelings and behaviors are all kind of interworking, Um, and we can kind of intervene or, or work on any of those three areas.
2: Exactly. And, you know, like we talked about, like some of the other strategies that might be involved. So kind of identifying those thoughts that we're having, kind of challenging and changing them if those thoughts are not very helpful. Um, We can also use problem-solving skills, right? So maybe thinking about um, problem-solving in different situations. We can learn coping skills, right? So like Evan's hands get really sweaty or he starts to shake. What are some different things that he can do to help? de-escalate his anxiety, and then, you know, helping him or others to learn to develop a greater sense of confidence. So there's a lot of different components and ways in which CBT can be helpful.
0: Yeah, I think that that's a really good point there. And as we've mentioned, CBT is one of the gold standard treatments for both anxiety and depression, as well as some other mental health conditions um, that we haven't mentioned here today. It's not the only effective therapy that's out there. Um, The nice thing about CBT is that it is recommended for both children and adults. Um, so that's part of why we talked about it here. But there are also other effective therapies that have been used with adolescents dealing with anxiety and depression. So for example, there's interpersonal psychotherapy, which has been um, evidence-based for use with the adolescents with depression. Um, this really focuses on, like we've talked about a lot today, the interpersonal issues that might be most common to teenagers and, and identifying that as a potential source of depression. So this might be separation from parents, development of romantic relationships, um, maybe experiences of death of, with, of a relative or a friend. Um, and so this really works on finding more adaptive ways of dealing with interpersonal issues, um, in the context of depression. So I feel like approach like this could be super helpful for someone like Evan, given all the things that we've talked yeah. about today.
2: There's also acceptance and commitment therapy, which, uh, or ACT for short, which I believe we may have touched on very Act. briefly, but I don't think we've ever, yeah, ACT, um, which I don't think we've ever done like a, deeper dive of it though, unfortunately. But so ACT uses acceptance and mindfulness strategies um, along with commitment and behavior change strategies. And really the goal here is to increase what they what they term psychological flexibility, um, which really when we say psychological flexibility means being able to be in the present moment fully as a conscious, like as a conscious person, kind of paying attention, being in that exact moment. Um, and then changing or kind of driving your behaviors towards like chosen values that are of importance to that individual. So, you know, I think this is something, you know, act is something that also could have been potentially helpful for Evan. Like if one of his goals or values was really like feeling more connected with mom or more connected with peers, kind of doing some mindfulness-based act exercises to help him be in the present moment with less anxiety and kind of driving towards or engaging in behaviors that would help him to establish that connection that he was, you know, in Interested in.
0: Yeah, and I think it's an important note that ACT and then another therapy that I'll mention in a second, DBT or dialectical behavior therapy, are kind of considered our like third wave interventions, meaning that they mm-hmm. kind of draw from some CBT type things, but kind of extend them mm-hmm. a little bit or add something or integrate things a little bit differently. Um, so dialectical behavior therapy or DBT would be another intervention that could have been helpful, not just for Evan, but I'm also wondering about Connor yes. um, and really works on improving emotion regulation skills and reducing what um, people feel are invalidating behaviors in their environment. So this could be from family or from peers. Um, And it's it's very skill-based that um, the adolescents or the adults in these programs would learn skills related to mindfulness. So you can see some overlap with mindfulness that we've already mentioned, Um, distress tolerance, emotion regulation, and interpersonal effectiveness, as well as for the adolescents, there's also skills on walking the middle path. And this is actually adolescents and parents do the group together and they learn ways of compromise and how do we get your needs met, but also get my needs met. And so actually that could have been a great fit for I would say Connor and Evan doing those like family based or like parent child caregiver related um, interventions.
2: I agree. I think DBT would have been really helpful, even just like the distress tolerance, right? So kind of for Evan, like kind of tolerating that distress when he's really anxious. It seemed like for Connor, there's also aspects of like emotion regulation, mm-hmm. like if he's having those strong feelings that might be associated with his sadness or what was going on with Connor. I think a lot of those would have been very helpful for both of them. I think also interestingly, it's important to note that these treatments are not always used like in a silo either. Mm-hmm. So there are different things called like modular approaches or kind of like where – um Uh, therapists or psychologists or mental health practitioners might draw from components of all of these, right? So they might be doing like overall CBT, working on those like thoughts and feelings like we talked about. And then maybe they would pull in some of the emotion regulation skills from DBT. Or maybe they'll pull in some of the mindfulness skills from ACT. So I think that's important to note too, that like there are components of all of these that have crossover and there are ways that which we can kind of draw from all of them that are still evidence-based that would be helpful for different things um, and
0: in working with teenagers as well. All good point. So, you know, unfortunately we don't see any of these therapies portrayed in the movie, but this is an idea of what it might look like if an adolescent like Connor or Evan or even Alana or someone who's dealing with anxiety, depression, um, the type of treatment that they could receive that is evidence-based and, and is shown to be helpful with adolescents dealing with these difficulties.
2: Yes. And hopefully, you know, at the end of the movie, Evan does talk about how he's been doing a lot of work. He's taking like a a break from going to college and kind of like trying to get to know himself better and kind of like you know improve upon some of his strengths and maybe that does we can always imagine and hope that that does include uh therapy and continued work with his psychiatrist who knows yeah (laughs) hopefully
1: dear evan hansen today's gonna be a good day and here's why because today no matter what else today at least you're you no hiding no lying and that's That's enough.
2: All right. So, you know, I think we covered a lot of kind of some important things related to adolescent mental health, uh, depression, social anxiety, uh, suicidal thoughts in adolescence. So, you know, I think some really big, really important themes we could honestly spend like Multiple sessions on even just one of these mm-hmm. topics, right? So, you know, always more to be covered. And I definitely think these are topics that we will discuss again. Um, but kind of on that note, I'm curious, Dr. Fran, in particular, because I already have
0: some inklings, what was your <laughs> overall impression of Dear Evan Hansen? Uh, Dr. Sam is putting me on the spot because she knows that I do not really enjoy <laughs> musicals.
2: <laughs> As yes, uh, she texted, yeah. While we we're watching it, I was like asking her about it and she literally texted, It's just jarring how they keep breaking into song, and I'm like, "Well, Doctor Fran, it is a musical." Yeah,
0: I don't know what it is. Like Disney movies are totally fine with me. Like if it's cartoon, if it's a kids movie, I can get behind them going into spontaneous song. But for some reason, for some reason, Doctor Sam's giving me a thumbs down. She disagrees. Musicals just are not my thing. I can, I can. Okay, but having that in mind. I was very impressed. I thought it was exceptionally well done. Like Ben Platt was a phenomenal actor and Mm -hmm. beautiful voice. And like for it being a musical, I thought it was very well done. Um, In terms of overall, like I probably wouldn't watch this movie again, unless there was like a specific reason Mm -hmm. to, it wasn't my favorite movie that I've seen this year, but I thought it touched on some super important themes. And again, like the acting, um, not just from Ben Platt, but from all of the characters, um, and all the actors and actresses, and the the music was very well done and very beautiful. I have some inklings on what Dr. Sam is going to say about the movie. So what were your overall impressions?
2: I think it'll actually be a surprise to you, but i i I think I mentioned I love Ben Platt. I love his voice. I think he's a great actor. I thought he did a nice job in this movie. I've watched the politician and um you know, I listen to his music all the time, so I'm a big fan of his. I will say, because I don't know if it's because I knew the music before I ever saw the plot. Like, I think the music holds a really special place. Like, I really love the music. I do feel like the overall just movie and the play left some things to be desired. And maybe that's just because of, you know, being a psychologist. Like, I felt like there, you know, were... I don't even know how to exactly say it, but I guess there were different ways things could have gone. Um, but also, like, you know, it's a it's a play and it's a movie and it can't be too, like, I guess heavy-handed or too overt. So they try to keep it a little more, um, you know, I guess, like, relatable and kind of bring in the music more, which I get that. I do appreciate that it touched on some difficult topics. So, you know... I think it's not always, like, people probably aren't seeking, like, oh, I want to watch a movie about teenagers with depression or anxiety or about, you know, um, teenagers and suicide. Like, those are heavy topics. And so I understand probably having to balance that with, like, bringing up these really important topics in a way that is relatable and approachable. So I do think, you know, I applaud it for that. I'm glad it brought up these really important topics. Um, So, you know, I think overall... I agree with you, Dr. Fran. Like, it's not like my favorite movie. I think it is important in the topics. I'm glad that they, you know, especially I think the play initially came out in 2015. So kind of even like ahead, I know, like at that time, or kind of ahead of the curve when more TV shows, movies, and even plays were coming out about mental health topics. Mm -hmm. So I do appreciate all of that.
0: Yeah. It was also fun that um, Amy Adams, I think she's a third time returner on the podcast. So Sharp Objects. Woman in the Window, and now This. Dear Evan Hansen.
2: Yeah. And then, like we mentioned, the actor who plays Zahid, Atypical, in this. Yeah. I think those are the only crossover. Ben Platt maybe will return if we ever do, like, The Politician or yeah. something. So, yeah. Mm-hmm. But our first musical, important topics, you know, opened up a good discussion. What do you think overall for our DSM-5 diagnosing shows and movies? This one I am curious. I don't know what you're going to say.
0: This is a little tricky. I am um, I was debating between a three and a four, and I think I'm going to give it a three for two reasons. One, I'm dinging it for not having a portrayal, more of a portrayal of, like, mental health treatment. Like, even if he had gone to the psychiatrist or talked about it a bit more, I think it was not super accurate to just have the only thing be like, oh, he told me, to, they told me to write these letters to myself. I'm like, really? That's all? <laughs> That's it? Um so I'm going to ding it for that and then I think the portrayal of Connor was not as mm. nuanced as it could have been um And I think, like, whilst the behaviors that we heard about, like, are not necessarily uncommon or not unrelated for someone dealing with some pretty significant mental health issues in adolescence, we didn't get to see the other side of that, which was likely that he was probably dealing with depression or anxiety or, like, really struggling, like, internally as well. We only see him, unfortunately, portrayed in a bit of a negative light. Um, Mm -hmm. And so I'm going to ding it for those two things. So I'll give it a three. But I do feel like the topic general themes of topics were accurate and important to cover Mm -hmm. so what about you dr sam
2: i'm gonna agree with that i'm gonna say a three i think for me the positives were the portrayal of evan really um you know i Mm -hmm. think just like the social anxiety bits i felt like that was very realistic it's like oh yeah i could see adolescents that i worked with having similar experiences behaving in a similar way um you know i think it gets a little like um it gets a little stretched or a little more difficult to kind of assess when he kind of goes down that path with all of the like the lies about Connor. But then even when I think about this, when this is someone who is really craving connectedness and is yeah. feeling very isolated, I feel like I can actually... Potentially understand why Evan went down the path that he did right. because it allowed him to get that connection um, when he was feeling very lonely. So, you know, I do think that a lot of the aspects around Evan are pretty appropriate and well done. Um, and like we mentioned, I like that they kind of show a lot on him and talking about mental health, the invisibility of mental health. Um, I agree. Maybe a little bit more emphasis on like treatment and maybe a little more emphasis or... Yeah, more nuanced about Connor. I think it's interesting, at least in my recollection, the portrayal of Connor does differ a little bit in the play, too. So, you know, um, I think that there are those pieces. I do think one of the most positive things that I meant to mention this, and that's when I kind of lost my train of thought about my overall impressions... One of the things I really did like is in that one song, like, You Will Be Found, um, and just kind of the overall message Mm -hmm. that comes from, like, the Connor Project, that comes from the song, that comes from the movie, is that, like, there can be difficult times, right? Like, you might be depressed, you might feel isolated, you might feel lonely, you might feel like nobody cares, and that oftentimes there are people that care, or we can find people to connect with, or people to care. Um, So I do really like that uplifting and positive note, especially for youth that might be struggling with these similar thoughts and feelings.
0: Yeah. Very well said. And I think on that note, as we mentioned at like in our disclaimer at the beginning, we will be posting a lot of resources on our website, as we always do, like related to, um, you know, the different research that we referenced and you know terms that we talked about, but also different self help resources or um, ways to connect if someone is struggling with suicidal thoughts or feeling isolated or lonely or having trouble connecting. There are resources out there to support people, so we want people to have access to those when they need them. Definitely.
2: So please check that out. Let us know your thoughts on Jeremy Hansen, whether it's the movie or the play or just the topics we've talked about today. We also always love to hear what questions you have about psychology or what movies, TV shows you want us to put on the couch and break down next. If you haven't already, please check out our previous session, which was celebrating our second year of Freudian Scripts, and we get to kind of recap and talk about some of the other cool things that we're doing and will be
0: doing. As always, please subscribe, rate, and review, and follow us on social media at Freud scripts Pop. Time's up. See you next session. We'd like to thank our producer, Brandon. Creative director. Eric and Webmaster Don. Are you gonna sing?
2: I knew it. I was like this would be the perfect moment to sing. You have a better singing voice. You should I sing. don't know the
0: songs. <laughs>
1: <laughs> Even when the dark comes crashing through, when you need someone to carry you. When you're broken on the ground. <laughs> I can't sing. I'm not a good singer.